Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. You guys are the biggest group that's been here since this started in 2004. That's pretty cool, yeah. You guys are making history and you didn't even know it. Um, Hope you guys got some rest last night. I was sitting in the back observing when they were asking what time you guys went to sleep. And um, in my church, I, I've got a laser point. I've actually got a bunch of laser pointers. I, uh, two years ago, leading up to my birthday, I, I made the uh, comment to my congregation. I was like, man, I wish I had a laser pointer so I could like point to things on the screen behind me. The next week, I had like six laser pointers on my desk. And I meant to bring one today, so not so that I could point stuff out to you, but so like if I see you falling asleep, I would, I would hit you with that laser pointer. And anyway, so don't fall asleep because I can see you and I'll, I'll say something or I'll call you up here to do something, all right? Um, I want to show you guys two pictures real quick before we get going. A little bit more about me, and I don't know how great this first picture is going to show up, but Aubrey, can you put up that first one? Okay. This is my backyard in Sparta, North Carolina, okay? Um, it's not much different from what we're experiencing here. What's our elevation here? Does anybody... What is it? Only 700? Interesting. All right, I'm at about 3,000 feet. It's uh, an elevation that's great for growing Christmas trees, okay? But the landscape, it looks very similar. Uh, and I don't know if you guys can see this. If I had my laser pointer, I'd point it out to you. But there are two fine specimens over here in the corner. Those are alpacas, all right? Are any of you, like, obsessed with alpacas? Okay, four of you are obsessed with alpacas. All right, let's show that next slide, all right? This is my... this was, rip, okay, my alpaca tag, and that's my front door, like looking out my front door. It's dirty because I have kids, and when you have kids, you can't have nice things, but you get the point. I had tagged for like eight years, and no amount of time could ever, or you never got used to walking by a door or a window and, and seeing an alpaca's head just like hanging out there. Um, You've also never been, you've never lived until you've been kicked by an alpaca, all right? Somebody, I mean, it was a Jack Maverick that said something about getting kicked in the chest by a donkey or something earlier today. As he said that, like, I started to have some flashbacks of getting kicked by tag, my alpaca. But you know what, what was really cool about the, and the whole reason I had these animals was because the Christmas tree farm. Um, there's so many Christmas tree growers in our town, like, you have to have unique things that uh, will draw people to your farm. And the photo opportunity with an alpaca, just people, I, they, were, they liked it. So anyway, Tag's no longer with us, Rip, but uh, he was great. One of the cool things about these guys, though, they did really well with the ability to, to roam and, and the ability to be free. I have a yard that's like an acre and a half. There's large trees on every side. No fences. Well, there was one short fence that you saw in that first picture. But my point is, they just, they did really well with freedom. Um, humans 
not so much, right? Didn't we look at that last night? Did you guys talk any about, you know, okay, leaders, did any of you, if you used the small group questions that you were provided, and you certainly didn't have to, did any of you have any, like, weird responses to the picture of freedom? Okay, you're all normal, great. We, let's just quickly recap what we talked about last night. We defined freedom, and we defined freedom as the condition of not being in captivity or the, the condition of being free of restraints, especially the ability to act without control or interference by another or by circumstance. In a nutshell, to say that we are free is to say that we can do whatever we want and no one or nothing is going to stop us from that. And by that very definition, we established also last night that no Disney princess in the history of the world has ever been free, right? They're all oppressed <laughs> because they're all being held back from something. Let me also say real quick, I, am, I appreciate your encouragement from last night. Uh, one of you leaders on your way out, you were like legendary, all right? Now, here's the thing. My wife texted me at like midnight. She said, how did it go? And I said, in the words of one leader, dot, 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 legendary. She's like, stop. All right? <laughs> stop. <laughs> you will not bring that large head back to Sparta, North Carolina. I will bring you down to earth. And honestly, guys, the Lord knows that, that pride is an area that I struggle with. I appreciate your... Um, your encouragement, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and bring myself back down a little bit um, this morning. Um, all right, so we looked at the scene last night from the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were deceived by the serpent. God had provided them everything that they could need, everything that they could want. They were happy, they were healthy, until the serpent came in and started questioning what God had called them to do and started questioning the motives of God. We also established that God planted the forbidden tree and God allowed the serpent to come in and tempt them in order to give them an opportunity to choose. That was the whole little drama there that we just saw. Talked about how freedom is, you know, a big part of that is the ability and the, the, the right that we have to be able to choose and to make choices and to be able to make decisions. Well, we read that account from Genesis 3 last night, so you guys know what happened. You know that Adam and Eve disobeyed, and as a result, sin and death entered into the world, and everything changed. You know, God had created, had created everything perfectly, and He had created everything just as He wanted it to be, and then in one simple act of disobedience, everything changed. Romans 5 is a... We're going to look at a verse here this morning that's going to kind of steer us as we look at the effects of their disobedience. And, and this might be a difficult passage for some of you. This might be a difficult message for some of you guys this morning because as we look at this, you might have this tendency to say, you know, this is really unfair. God seems to be really unfair. Um, I get that, but if that's your heart this morning, just, again, stick with me, all right? We're on a journey. When we get to our destination, the Lord will give us clarity in this, all right? Speaking of that, there's a principle of Bible study. Every time we come to look at the Word of God, that is indispensable, which means we can't do without it, all right? That principle is total reliance 
on the Spirit of God to teach us, all right? And so before we look at Romans 5, I want us to just bow quickly and, and to ask the Lord to give us wisdom and understanding and to reveal himself to us through his word. So let's bow. Father, we thank you again for this morning, for the wonderful time of worship, for all of the uh, various programming that's gone on, for the wonderful meal that we had. And Lord, now as we come to study your word, we thank you for that. It is a, um, a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And uh, God, we know that only you can reveal you. And so our prayer this morning now is that you would do that. Uh, we know that you would delight in revealing yourself to us. And so, Father, that's our prayer this morning as we look at your word, that you would reveal yourself to us, show us Jesus. Lord, help, uh, help your word to find fertile ground in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Romans chapter 5 Verse 12. This is, this is the New Testament um, explanation of, of what we saw last night in, in Genesis, okay? Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. All right, let's talk about that verse for just a second. We know last night, through one man, sin entered the world. We, we talked about it. His name was... All right. I'm going to find a laser pointer. All right. His name was... Adam. Okay. And, and through his sin, death came into the world. That was the consequence of his disobedience. Remember, we talked also last night about how our actions have consequences. There's a biblical principle in the book of Galatians that says you reap what you sow. All right? Consequences. Our actions have them. And so that was the consequence of, of, of Adam's disobedience. Death spread to all men because all sinned. Now what the Apostle Paul is ultimately saying is this. He's saying that your very inheritance is sin. Now this is where some of you might just start get a little confused and you're like, wait a second, that's not fair. You know? How do I inherit that? Let's all collectively whine because that's not fair, right? Wah. Okay, like three of you, you could be my children because that's all my children do is whine and complain. Let's look at it another way, okay? Let's look at it another way. When I say the word inheritance, how many of you think of inheritance in a positive way? Come on now. I know that you guys dream about a long-lost relative leaving you riches untold, all right, that you can put in your cavern and et cetera. Most of our minds, I think, now you didn't raise your hand, but let me explain it and maybe you'll think about this differently. I think most of our minds go to this place where we think about getting something that we didn't have to work for, something that we didn't have to suffer loss to get, you know, like a lawyer shows up at your door and says, you had this great, great aunt in, in Texas and, and she died and you didn't know about her, but she knew about you and she left you like $500,000 and a couple hundred acres in Texas. Yeah, you'd be like, hey, inheritance, cha-ching, right? That'd be okay. It would be for me. But that's not really reality. You see, in reality, when we inherit something tangible, it usually means that someone close to us, someone that we love, has passed away. Because if we were close enough for them, for them to want to leave us everything that they had worked perhaps their entire life for, then that's going to be, it's going to be a difficult loss for us. So yes, we're going to inherit something, but we're also going to 
lose something. And so it becomes a, a word that's kind of bittersweet. But there's also a negative to that word inheritance. You guys are still young. When you get older, you're going you're gonna to think a lot more about this word genetics. All right? And if your parents have you know, health problems and your grandparents have health problems, there's a good chance that you know, some of those are going to be passed to you through genetics. My grandmother, for example, has like 16 stents in her heart. And those are the only things, you know, keeping her heart doing what they do. My dad is 65, and he's got six stents in his heart doing the same thing, keeping him, you know, going. I'm predisposed. I have inherited through genetics some pretty poor qualities. Um, I'm predisposed to high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Again, things that you're like, boo-hoo for you. As you get older, you wait, all right? You wait. One day, arthritis, something will creep up on you, and you're going to be like, man, that guy, he tried to warn me. Um, inheritance can be a negative thing, too. We, we think about it also with, with debt. Like, yes, uh, in a positive way, we might get this call that we've inherited all these great riches and acreage and all this other stuff. But you know, if somebody you love passes away and, and, and you inherit a house or a car or something that you know, money was still owed on it, do you know what you've inherited? You've inherited debt. And that's kind of similar to what we're talking about here with, with, with what Adam has left us with. We have inherited a debt, a sin debt, and what makes it even worse is it's a debt that we can't pay. You know, the creditor, you can sell your kidney or some other important organ and you can pay off that debt. This debt that we inherited when Adam and Eve sinned, it's a debt that, that we can't pay. And so that kind of puts us in a, in a little bit of a pickle then. Our hearts and our flesh naturally want to respond to that truth by saying, that's not fair. We deserve better. I'll quote my wife again because she does such a good job of keeping me humble and keeping me grounded. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. My congregation, they give me all kinds of stuff. And she's like, yeah, I had some gift cards. She's like, hey, what are you going to do with these gift cards? I'm like, thinking I might upgrade the TV in the living room. And she's like, uh, hold up. No, thank you. And I'm like, well, I think, you know, it's my money. Well, that was a mistake to say that. But what was worse, I'm like, I think I deserve to. And before, before I finished what I was saying, she stepped back and put her hands on her hips. And she said, you deserve hell. <laughs> and you know what? She's right. She's right. I deserve hell. You guys, you deserve hell. You know why? Because that's our inheritance. And our flesh, God is holy. And we're not. And that creates this barrier. That creates this separation. We didn't have to learn. We didn't have to. You, know, there's, you guys are in school. You're being taught lots of things. None of you had to be taught how to sin. You know that? It came perfectly natural to you. I remember the first time my son, Eli, the first time he lied to me. It broke my heart. He was such a good kid. And then he lied to me. 
I didn't have to teach him how to do that. I've taught him how to do all sorts of things. I didn't have to teach him how to do that. It comes perfectly natural to us. It's part of our inheritance. I realized that after last night, a a bit of a precedent has been established, and so I don't want to let you guys down. There is another Disney character who we can relate to. (laughs) No, wait, wait, wait. I told you I'm 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 gonna humble myself in front of you guys. I haven't practiced this. He referred to himself as a street rat. No, no, Ratatouille, come on. Is that even Disney? I'm talking about Aladdin. All right. Here's the thing. This is a duet. So I reserve the right to stop at any time, like when it comes to the duet part. But if you guys, if you guys know this, you can do it along with me. All right. <clears throat> I can show you the world shining, shimmering, splendid. Tell me, princess, now when did you last let your heart decide? I can open your eyes, take you wonder by wonder, over, sideways, and under, on a magic carpet ride, a whole new world. A new fantastic point of view. No one to tell us no, or where to go, or say we're only dreaming a whole new world. A dazzling place I never knew. But when I'm way up here, it's crystal clear that now I'm in a whole new world with now I'm in a whole new world. Unbelievable sights, indescribable feeling, soaring, tumbling, freewheeling through an endless diamond sky. Don't you dare close your eyes. Hold your breath, it gets better. All right, all right, we're done. I really did all of that so I could do, don't you dare close your eyes. Listen, some of you, some of y'all, if I could give you points, I would do that, all right? Uh, Listen, I will try, listen, I will try and see what I can do. But here's the thing. (laughs) I see a fist. Does that mean I can give points? No. Okay. All right. No. (laughs) Sorry about that. Again, you know, what is, what is, Jasmine is oppressed and Aladdin's like, hey, I can show you something new, but Aladdin, what's Aladdin's inheritance? He's a street rat. He doesn't have an inheritance. Here's the thing. I want to take you guys back to the Old Testament. I want to share a story with you real quick, all right? And it's a story that gives us a picture of what inheritance looks like, but it also is a, it's an account that 
that helps us to see that what our inheritance is doesn't have to be our final destination, okay? Uh, we actually have two inheritances. The second one we're going to talk about tonight, but, but let's elaborate a little bit more on this first inheritance this morning. Can I also say, those of you that are back at the soundboard, maybe before this goes online, can you like give me some reverb? No? Okay. <laughs> maybe just mute that part, technical difficulty. No, can't do that either? All right. <sighs> Where am I at? What do you guys know about David in the Old Testament? He's amazing. He wasn't perfect, though. He made some mistakes, didn't he? When we're first introduced to David in the Old Testament, he's a young guy. Um, and early on in his life, he is identified by God as the second king of Israel. All right, you guys know who was the first king? Does anybody know who the first king of Israel was? Saul, hey, you guys are good. You guys are good. Okay, so some of you are, are you're going to be aware of this story. You're going you're gonna to know where we're going here. But I've got a character this morning that I think might surprise some of you. Um, Saul was going to be king, or Saul was king. David was going to be king. Now Saul had a son named Jonathan. And Jonathan and David were best friends. I mean, these guys were tight. And so you can imagine that it created a little bit of an awkward situation when it became apparent that, that David was going to become Israel's next king. Because how did kingdoms work? How have kingdoms always worked? Uh, like, when the king dies, who assumes the throne? His son, or his, you know, or some other, fa- it stays in the family, though. And so you've got this guy, the son of Saul, Jonathan, who has he has an inheritance, and his inheritance is supposed to be the throne. And then all of a sudden, God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to remove Saul as king, and, and David is going to become king. And it creates all this tremendous conflict and all of this confusion. But before things get really tense, in their friendship, David and Jonathan make what we call a covenant or a promise to each other. And you know what they promise each other? Hey, whatever happens we're going to take care of each other. And we're going to take care of each other's families. Um, David said to, to Jonathan, hey, I, I'm going to extend my loving kindness to your family. That's, that's a promise that David made to him. Okay? Now, 1 Samuel 31. We read that the Philistines were fighting against Israel. And the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell slain at Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons. And the Philistines killed Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. Saul also dies there at Mount Gilboa. And so the, the throne is now open for David to assume the position. A lot more happens before David is crowned king over all of Israel. But listen to this verse in 2 Samuel chapter 4. Verse 4, it says, Now Jonathan, Saul's son, all right, David's friend, had a son who was crippled in both feet. He was five years old when the report of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened that in her hurry to flee, he fell, the five-year-old fell, and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Everybody say, Ma. Fib. O, o. Sheth. Sheth. 
You guys are great. I really, this morning, woke up missing my family. And so my, my, my sons are familiar with this story. And uh, I had a blast the first time I read it to them, getting video of them. I'm like, hey, say Mephibosheth. And it, the gibberish that comes out of their mouth is incomprehensible. So I messaged my wife this morning. I said, hey, I want you to send me a video of my little princess, Hazel, saying Mephibosheth. And, and I have a video of that. So uh, uh, yes, direct your attention to Hazilla. Hazel, can you say Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth? Is she not a doll? Did that make any sense, though, what came out of her mouth? No. Eventually, she'll get it, but right now it's Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. What we read in that verse is exactly what was expected to happen. David's going to take the throne. Word gets to the remaining family of Saul that the throne is changing hands. And so uh, Jonathan, you know, the, the, the sons of Saul, they're no longer the heirs to the throne. And so the nurse who was caring for Jonathan's um, son, Mephibosheth, gathers him up and flees as quickly as, as she can. Because here's, here's what happened when dynasties changed. In a different scenario, in any other scenario, if David assumed the throne and he's not an heir to the throne, he's not part of Saul's family, do you know what it's his responsibility to do? It's his responsibility to kill all of Saul's heirs so that none of them can later rise up and lay claim to the throne. And so because of who Mephibosheth was, because of who his father was, because of who his grandfather was, his inheritance all of a sudden changes, and he goes from being an heir to the throne to having an inheritance of death. Guaranteed death. Now, was it Mephibosheth's fault? Did he do anything? Did he terribly offend David? No. It's got everything to do with who he was and who his, his father was. Time passes, there's more war. Israel is eventually united under King David. They thrive under his leadership. They thrive under the hand of God. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 9, David remembers something. David remembers that he made a covenant with Jonathan. And it's not that he had forgotten. It's that, you know, things had been intense. There had been a lot of war. There had been a lot of conflict. But it comes to his remembrance. Hey, I, I made a promise to Jonathan, to my friend. And so this is what he does. 2 Samuel chapter 9. It says, Then David said, Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant, right? And the king said, is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. His name is... Yes, yes, amen. And so the king said, verse 4, where is he? And Ziba, Ziba said to the king, behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Lodabar, by the way, was as terrible of a place as it sounds. Like it was 
desolate, nowhere place. A perfect place to go if you want to hide from someone who might want to kill you, okay? He's exactly where you would expect to find him, in Lodabar. Verse 6, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul. Uh, no, sorry, I skipped ahead. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel and Lodabar. So King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel and Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth said, here is your servant. I don't want to put words into his mouth, but do you know what Mephibosheth is thinking right here? This is it. This is all she wrote. My family did everything they could for me. My nurse did everything she could for me. We went into hiding. We, we did what we did. I, I lived, I escaped for as long as I could do, and now the time has come. Now he has finally found me. What was his inheritance? At one point, the throne. He may have never ruled, but he would have at least, you know, dined at the king's table and been treated well as one of the king's sons. It was going to be an amazing inheritance. But as he fell on his face here before King David, what was his inheritance? His inheritance was death. That was what was fully expected. He lived a nowhere place, low-key existence so that he wouldn't be killed because of who his father was. So he prostrates himself before David. Verse 7 says, David said to him, don't fear. Don't fear. For I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan and will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul and you shall eat at my table regularly. Again, he prostrated himself and he said, what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? Mephibosheth can't believe what he's hearing. He's probably peeking up thinking, is this a joke? You know, is the sword going to come down at any minute now? But David gives him the reasoning. He says, I'm doing this for the sake of your father because I made a covenant with him. I made a promise to him because he was my friend. Again, it wasn't anything that Mephibosheth did either way. He didn't wrong David. And yet, according to the customs of that day, he deserved death. Verse 9 says, Then the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him, and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants, and Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so your servant will do. And so Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. It's a verse that I had my sons memorize because that's such, a, that's such a big deal when you know this story and you know what Mephibosheth's inheritance was to read that, hey, you know what? He regularly ate at David's table just like he was one of the king's sons. And verse 13 says, so Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem and ate at the king's table regularly. Now he was lame in both feet. <laughs> you, you read that four times. It talks about how Mephibosheth was crippled. You guys, there's a discussion question in your small group. I would love to hear y'all's thoughts on that, on why we're told four times that he was crippled. 
Romans 5 tells us that sin entered the world through one man. And through him, Adam, we inherit sin and we inherit death. But at the same time, it's only through one man, the last Adam, Jesus, who we're going to talk more about tonight, that we find our hope for the future, that we find a better inheritance. All right? But we see the illustration here in this account, how one person could change the trajectory from Mephibosheth, that was David, and it happened because David had made a promise to his father to take care of his family and to provide for them. You guys remember Genesis 3.15 last night? Where God is pronouncing judgment because Adam and Eve had just sinned. And God's talking to the servant or the serpent, and he says, uh, there's going to be conflict between your offspring and between her offspring. And you're going to bite his heel, and he's going to crush your head. That was a promise. And we're working towards seeing the fulfillment of that promise. And that promise has everything to do with how our inheritance changes. We'll look at that tonight, okay? Let's bow. Father, thank you again for this morning. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word, which is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. God, we thank you for the encouragement that we find in your word. The reality is our inheritance is sin and our inheritance is death. Because your word tells us that the wages of sin is death. But your word also tells us that there is a gift that has been given to us. And it's a free gift. But it's a gift that has to be appropriated. Lord, as we look forward to expounding on that this evening, I pray that you would uh, prepare our hearts. Lord, as we go to our small groups now and discuss these things in a little more detail that we've just looked at, discuss our inheritance, pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would continue to reveal yourself to us through our discussion. You're the only one that can reveal you, Lord. And so we ask that you do that this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.